the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead. I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. One is a master of the laws of taxation law, and the other is a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Both of my master's degrees in law were obtained at my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, located in beautiful downtown San Francisco. And because of my training, my experience, my interests, and my expertise, I primarily practice bankruptcy, debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and taxation law. And I'm also proud to say that as part of my practice, I also sometimes have the opportunity to seek out and vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the victims of some forms of financial elder abuse. And as always, I'm so pleased to be able to come to you again today from the beautiful KFAX studios in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area to discuss some financial and legal issues confronting families and small business owners. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information and ideas that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is specifically tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances, and hopefully to provide you with at least an outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help. I do this because, as I'm known for saying, representing yourself in a legal matter is just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. If you're lucky and you get real close to your adversary, you might be able to scratch her on the arm or even poke her in the eye. But if I'm your adversary, you're not even going to get close to me. And more than likely, you're going to be dead on arrival. That is to say, your valid, might be valid claims, and your valid or might be valid defenses will likely see the promised land long before you do. So once again, I must share with you the purpose of Selwyn's Law here on KFAX. In case you haven't guessed, 
is to discuss the law related to your money and your finances and the lack thereof, more than likely, and what you might need to do to consider how you can protect your family's health, wealth, and well-being. And again, I share with you my understanding, but underneath, this is an educational form. So with that understanding, before we circle back to our baseline topic of bankruptcy and catch up on what's been going on in the wow, wow world of PG&E and Sears bankruptcy, today, because March 20th, 2019, which marks the vernal equinox to all you cosmologists out there, and basically it's the first day of spring, of 2019, and because it's only slightly in the rearview mirror, this young woman's fancy turns to love, but not the romantic kind, although I'm always open to something interesting and worthwhile. However, now that spring has sprung, and many of you parents out there in radio land are preparing to give your 18-year-old offsprings the big boot out of the nest, as they, right before your eyes, you watch them morph from that sweet little five-year-old that you took to kindergarten into the young adults, and they're going to be embarking on their first adventures in the world, untethered for the first time from mom and dad. The kind of love I'm talking about is the love we have for our young adult children. And while these young people must be given their freedom to make it in the world, to make their own mistakes, and to learn from it. We old folks all know, at least intuitively, that our newly minted young adults still need our love, support, and guidance, even as they begin new adventures in college or in the workforce in their own apartment, or they join the military to serve their country and their community and us as old folks. And in some instances, they just moved to a corner in our basement. (laughs) As such, and because I practice estate law and estate planning, today I want to share with you all the cold, hard fact that you and parents out there in Radioland will need to put in place for your young adult children some of the very same very important estate planning documents you need for your own parents, your own grandparents, and even for yourself. Therefore, you and your newly minted adult children need to have the same talk this spring that you should have had with your parents about what to do when your children become unable to make medical and financial decisions for themselves due to a temporary or permanent disability once they turn 18 and become adults in the eyes of the law. So to protect your children and to give you peace of mind, please consider putting in place some directives and powers of attorneys before they embark on the next phase of their lives. So just to have a bit of grounding, I'm going to give a quick overview of estate planning law. In my practice, estate 
and or incapacity planning has two separate and distinct phases and goals, depending on the phase of life and who the object of the planning is geared to serve. In the first phase, what I call during the planning phase, the plan development phase, my client is the individual or couple who wants a well-thought-out plan for the disposition of their assets, a mechanism to assure the proper treatment of themselves and their minor dependents when the client is no no longer able to make (laughs) day-to-day decisions about themselves and their finances and health due to a death or disability. As such, the estate planning process focuses on giving the living adult mature client peace of mind. At the end of the day, clients purchase estate planning services from attorneys because they want the peace of mind that comes from knowing that their financial and other affairs have been put in order, thereby freeing the client up to focus on finding and achieving the true reason for being alive, the true reason that the center of the universe gave them for being on this planet and to live a fulfilled and joyful life. In the second phase, during what I call the incapacity or postmortem, that is to say the planned settlement phase, my client can be either uh, the attorney in fact if the creator or the object of the power of attorney becomes disabled or a successor trustee if we have set up a trust and the assets were put into one or more trusts, or the executor of a probate estate if the deceased had no trust, and in either of those situations, if there are problems with the settlement of the estate, my client could be an unhappy trust beneficiary or a probate heir or a creditor of the deceased. Or in other instances, it might be an interested party, such as an unhappy boyfriend or girlfriend or former lover or the deceased, uh, who the deceased has purposely or inadvertently left out of the proceeds of the estate. In each of those scenarios, the post-mortem settlement process should focus on minimizing or eliminating the decedent's obligations for income or estate or gift or generation skipping tax or transfer tax and increase or at least preserve the value of the estate during the trust administration and make sure the known wishes of the decedent are carried out according to the law of the state that the uh, decedent resided in. But what if instead of our parents, our grandparents, or ourselves that is the entity that's suffering a disabilitating accident or illness? What if it instead is one of our adult children or grandchildren who becomes mentally, emotionally, or physically incapacitated in the springtime of their life? How can we and they be sure our youngsters are treated with the respect and dignity they are due, even if that respect and dignity includes making decisions to either prolong or terminate life and the medical treatment derived therefrom? Would you rather have a panel of doctors at a hospital or a judge make that decision? Or would you and your adult child want you to be able to act on their behalf and give them the kind of help that they deserve? So that's the topic today. We 
all have a need to make a decision, and we need to have a serious discussion with our kids before they turn 18 and leave the nest, and other people will make decisions for them if we don't help them set up a plan. So when we come back, our discussion on why we need estate planning documents for our young adult children before they turn 18 and go off to college or the workforce or the military or move light years away into a corner of our basement. But first, let's take a short break. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion on why you need to have the same or at least some of the same estate planning uh, documents, but you need to have the same estate planning discussion with your newly emancipated adult children and prepare at least some of the same estate planning documents for them as you would for your own parents, your grandparents, or yourself before these youngsters, excuse me, these young adults go off to college or the workforce or the military, or they just move to a corner of your basement. As such, I want to share with you an article I read in the National Law Review entitled Three Critical Legal Documents Every Parent Should Get in Place Now to Safeguard Their Adult Children. And the article is written by Dylan uh, H. Metzer, Esquire, of the law firm of Carlock and Applewhite. According to Mr. Metzer, and I agree, as a parent, you might not fully appreciate that when your child turns 18 years of age, at least in the eyes of the law, you no longer have certain inherent rights related to medical and financial details about your adult child. For this reason, you're strongly advised to get three simple legal documents in place to ensure you're able to intervene on behalf of your adult child in the event your child is injured, becomes ill, or is otherwise incapacitated. Three situations aren't easy uh, to think about, but imagine the following scenarios. Your 19-year-old son, while away at college, is involved in a severe car accident and is rushed to the hospital unconscious. Or your unmarried 25-year-old daughter, while vacationing with friends in Hawaii, is unconscious in a hospital following a jet skiing accident. Or your newly divorced 30-year-old son is hospitalized after suffering a brain hemorrhage and is put into a medically induced coma. In each of these scenarios, when you find out that your adult child is in the hospital, you immediately call for details about your child's condition. You are, that is to say, you will be horrified when the nurse on the other end of the phone says, I'm sorry, but I'm not authorized to provide you with any information or allow you to make 
any decisions about your child. So here are insights about the three legal documents that would be prudent to have in place on behalf of your adult child before another day goes by. So that's why we're talking about this now. In the spring, before our children graduate from high school and go off to college before their 18th birthday, they're still your children. You're not going to tell them what to do. You're going to sit down with them and have a discussion about this, the same discussion hopefully you had with your own parents and grandparents about how you're going to take care of them if they become incapacitated. So what is the first document? It's called a HIPAA authorization form, and it allows you, it gives you the authority to speak to health care providers on behalf of your adult child who is not able to speak for herself. HIPAA, or Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996, it exists for good reasons. It is a federal law that safeguards who can assess, access an adult's private health care information and data. If you call or visit the hospital to acquire about your adult child, as in the scenarios I stated earlier, health care providers are prohibited by law from revealing health information to you or anyone else about your child, your adult child. Healthcare practitioners could face severe penalties if they violate HIPAA laws. This illustrates why a HIPAA authorization signed by your adult child and naming you as an authorized recipient is so crucial. It gives you the ability to ask for and receive information from healthcare providers about your child's health status her progress, and her treatment regime. This is particularly important in the event your adult child is unconscious or incapacitated for a period of time. Without a HIPAA authorization in place, the only other way to obtain information regarding your child's health would be to go to court and hire someone like me at a, a rate that is pretty expensive to articulate to the court why you need to have authorization to supervise your adult child. The second document is known as a health care power of attorney uh, for medical decisions. If your adult child signs a health care power of attorney, naming you as his or her medical agent, you will have the ability to view your child's medical records and make informed medical decisions on his or her behalf. Without this document or a court-appointed guardianship, health care decisions concerning your child's diagnosis and treatment will be solely in the hands of health care providers. While this is not always a bad thing, a physician's primary duty is to keep the patient alive. So a healthcare provider might not pursue a risky or experimental course of treatment at the risk of exposure to malpractice liability. While you, on the hand, other hand, hopefully will do all that you can to keep your child alive if that's what your child wants in such 
rare uh, circumstances. Keep in mind that doctors prefer to see one medical agent named rather than multiple medical agents. This concern that multiple medical agents may not agree on the medical course of action to take on behalf of the incapacitated adult. As a best practice, it's prudent to name multiple agents in a priority order with single authority. So it's waterfall authority. For example, the adult child's mother might be listed first uh, as a medical agent if the mother is unable or unwilling and she might be unable because she is so hysterical and emotionally moved, then it would move down to the second person on the list who would say be the child's father and go on down to maybe grandparents, aunts, and uncles. The third document is a general durable power of attorney for financial agents. If your adult, adult child were ever incapacitated, you would also benefit greatly from having a general durable power of attorney in place where you were named as an agent authorized to make financial decisions on your child's behalf. This would allow you as the name agent to manage your child's bank account, to pay her bills, to sign her tax returns, to apply for government benefits, to break or apply for new leases, to conduct similar activities related to your child's financial, and other legal affairs. Otherwise, you will not be able to assist your child in managing his or her financial affairs, again, without hiring a lawyer and going into court and being appointed as a conservator. And there might be other people that will say that I should be the conservator. So here's some important considerations. Update these forms yearly. Be prepared to have your adult child re-sign and re-execute these documents every couple of years. This is especially crucial for powers of attorney. The institutions where you most likely will need these documents will be the hospital and the bank where your child's finances are kept and maintained. They might refuse to honor them if they are perceived to be outdated and otherwise stale. Again, the second thing for you to consider is these documents are only as good as the institutions that will accept them. Make sure that these documents are properly executed. That's half the battle. And whether they will be accepted by the institution involved is the second half of the battle. You don't want to have someone else have complete control over this. So this is why you do this and have this discussion earlier on You know where your child's banking relationship is. Before she turns 18 and goes off to college, you can check this stuff out to make sure that everything's going to be kosher for the institution. Remember, these documents can be revoked at any time by your adult child, either orally or in writing. You're not in control of your child. You're helping your child keep control. For adult children attending college at an out-of-state university, Parents will want to execute separate documents in both the student's home state and the college state location. That's so it can be in compliance with the laws of the jurisdiction where your child might have the accident or need the help. If your daughter is from Denver but attending college in Los Angeles, you'll want one set of documents prepared under and governed by Colorado law and the second set of documents prepared 
under and governed by California law. So, again, I urge all of you, all of us, to have this very serious discussion with your and mine adult children this week as part of your spring ritual, and especially so before your child turns 18 and leaves the nest. So I'm going to leave it there for now. Till next time, as always in parting, I urge us all to stay on the right side of the law. Bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to SelwynWhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.